Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already and ring that notification bell in your upper right-hand corner to get notified each time we have a brand new episode go live on YouTube. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hey, what's up, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure having you. And our last episode, we talked about the first year of the PlayStation 5. And this week, we're going to talk about the Xbox Series X and S's first year on market and whether or not it is worth owning an xbox series x or s in the calendar year of 2021 but before we get into today's topic i have to remind everyone to brace yourselves for winter is coming but what the writers of game of thrones didn't want to tell you is that bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with manscaped (laughs) Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor and hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off and free shipping if you use code NATETHEHATE. That's one word, NATETHEHATE, at manscaped.com. Now, MVG, I know you don't want to find yourself in that type of situation. Definitely not, Nate. And I got to say, it's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. And I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The performance package is the best in the business. The hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, the boxes, the travel kit, the liquid formulations. It's all there. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology and I use uh, mine in the shower all the time. You get that really great close shave. And you don't have any cuts and nicks on your uh, on your uh, nether regions down there, so everything is good to go. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer is something that I'm a big fan of and I use all the time. And again, it's just got that protection, so you don't you know you don't cut yourself. And of course, the uh, Crop Preserver, the deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. And the Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. And of course, the Refined Cologne by Manscaped. I'm not sure if we've mentioned the cologne before, but it's excellent. It's got a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. And to top it all off, you get the Shed Travel Bag to carry all that stuff in and some anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold down the entire package. But Nate... Why don't you let the fine listeners know more about what Manscaped is offering today? Yes, Manscaped is offering you a way to avoid having your own red wedding where you spill just a lot of blood by using the improper tools. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NATETHEHATE. That is, once again, one word, NATETHEHATE at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use NATETHEHATE. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. (laughs) And with that, we can move into the first topic of today's episode, which is the Xbox Series X and S's first year. But we will be talking about the Xbox 20th anniversary, which was celebrated earlier earlier this week, where we found out the future of backwards compatibility, some of the new additions made to the service. And Phil Spencer made some interesting comments about software emulation that we will talk in the later half. But first, let's talk about the Xbox Series S first year, which was a bit of a mixed bag of emotions because much like the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series S and X 
didn't exactly launch out of the gate with a big new enticing exclusive. It was meant to have Halo Infinite there day one. But as we know, 343 and Microsoft had to make the difficult decision to delay the game a full year. And it finally did come to market with the beta release of Halo Infinite's multiplayer, which is available now free to play on the Xbox line of platforms as well as PC. But aside from really Gears of War tactics, there wasn't a major launch game. We had Tetris Effect connected. Gears of War tactics, as mentioned, a variety of third party software. But I would argue that the true launch game that had any meaning for the Xbox Series line of platforms was the Game Pass service. Yes, I would I would I would totally agree with that, Nate. I think what saved the Xbox's launch, honestly, was Game Pass and backward compatibility. You know, I think those two things were enough for most people to be fairly satisfied with what Xbox launched with. And I think another game that we may have forgotten about is Yakuza Like a Dragon as well. Um, is that technically a, an exclusive though, or do you consider that a, an exclusive game? Um, I mean, I guess it technically was a console exclusive for, I believe the first six months. Right. Right. But I mean, e- even that aside, it was a pretty shaky launch for Xbox. You know, they had dirt five and they had a couple of other, um, games that were on, on the PlayStation as well. But I look, I made a video about the 20th anniversary of the Xbox. I know we're going to talk about um, that here later, but, you know, I, I came out of Xbox One feeling pretty unsure about the future of the Xbox. And I think mm-hmm. when the Xbox Series S and X launched, I kind of came into that generation feeling a little skeptical about, you know, Phil Spencer and the team kind of was talking a big game about how, you know, Game Pass is is going to revolutionize gaming and they are going to get back to, um, I don't want to say the good old days, but, you know, get Xbox back as as a brand and, and a system that everyone should be playing. And I kind of came into it thinking, is this just more of the same albeit with more powerful hardware. And when the systems did launch, you kind of got the feeling that it was more of the same. You know, they didn't have anything. And you're right. Unfortunately, Halo, the delay of Halo kind of hurt them quite a lot, I think. I mean, yes, it was the right move. And again, we'll we'll go into that later on. But I think, you know, Xbox came in with with not really much. Um, But ultimately, Mm -hmm. Game Pass is what, what really helped Xbox last holiday season. And I think, you know, as far as the year this year, you know, it's just kind of gotten better, but it's been very, very gradual. You know, it started out very shaky, uh, but they have found their, their their footing. And I look, I'm pretty pleased with, you know, with the the end result of that. But yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts about the launch of the Xbox? Because I was very kind of, I don't know. I just something felt like it was just going to be more of the same and and you know they they had dug themselves into such a hole with the Xbox 1 that it was going to be very difficult to get out of but you know that they have actually done a lot of groundwork this year overall. 
they definitely have done a lot of groundwork. And to your point of it feeling as though it was just going to be more of the same, PlayStation 5 and the Xbox are both guilty of that. True. When I, when I, yeah, when I look at the launches, PlayStation 5 and Xbox just felt like pro versions of their pro version. Yes. You had the SSD, you did have more processing power, and you were getting better visuals, you were getting native 4K, which, I mean, we had 4K on the PlayStation 4 Pro and even the Xbox One X, but now this was refined, this was better. It was almost like it was fulfilling the promise that those platforms couldn't deliver upon. And it was kind of like, well, is this just a continuation of the generation that we were previously in, especially in those opening couple of months? But as 2021 really began to take its you know a hold of its own we began to see some of the software that was really able to differentiate itself from the previous generation and when you look at the original xbox one or the vcr it was we often dub it Mm -hmm. you really become aware of its limitations yep it really it struggles with a lot of the releases that came to the xbox platform this year from both microsoft and third-party partners And, you know, one of the titles that had to omit the Xbox One completely was Microsoft's Flight Simulator. That was one of the first Microsoft published games that was exclusive to the Xbox series line of platforms, not including PC. Yep. And that was kind of that first realization of what next generation gaming can be like on this family of hardware. And since then, we've gotten some other games that we will get into a little later. But the launch of the Xbox Series X was definitely shaky, as you mentioned. It did feel as though just a more refined version of an Xbox One X. And Game Pass was the highlight because with Game Pass, you've got, you know, Tetris, Gears Tactics. You got a vast back catalog of software. But now you're being you were able to play them at higher resolution or a better frame rate. And aside from Game Pass, another standout for Microsoft especially in 2021 would it be how they have approached backwards compatibility and, you know, playing games like dead space. We know that there is a remake coming sometime next year, but playing dead space, the original game on an Xbox series X at 4k with auto HDR, Mm -hmm. it feels as though it is basically a modern re-release the game holds up incredibly well and for someone who had not played dead space since it came out on the playstation 3 to replay the game on series x it felt like a completely new and fresh experience it truly felt as though this game had come out maybe in 2020 or even 2021 itself and that's a fantastic underrated feature that the xbox and microsoft have really not gotten proper credit for yeah is the backwards compatibility solution is one of the system's strongest must see features and to go along with that the resume play oh yeah to be able the to quick resume yeah. oh quick resume amazing amazing yeah it is an amazing feature and i find myself using it more and more partially due to some of the more recent releases and it, they just kind of complement the feature in a really nice way But yeah, those first six months, it felt as though Microsoft really had to get their footing. The lack of Halo definitely threw Microsoft off course. They didn't really have a recovery planned in case that had to happen. Right. And it was 
clearly a huge omission for them. And they knew if we buy it enough time, we will get our footing and we will be able to march forward and build up some some momentum going into holiday 2021. And I recall last year having this type of conversation where at the time, it looked as though Sony was really going to run away with 2021 because of the software lineup that they were marketing, yeah. which had God of War, Horizon, Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7. And at that time, we still did not know officially that Forza Horizon 5 was going to come out on the Xbox this year. Halo was still in limbo. Mm-hmm. We really didn't know what Microsoft had in store for even Game Pass in terms of exclusive deals with third party and day one releases. Like earlier this year, we had the surprise get of Outriders yep. and MLB The Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, Game Pass and backward compatibility like I said, was enough for Xbox to stay above water last holiday and and sell a lot of systems. And and basically, you know, I think a lot of the marketing was, you know, we've got a lot of things to show, right? We've got we're, we're working on a lot of really cool things. And if you recall, you know, we saw like a trailer for Perfect Dark at the end of last year and we saw, you know, um some new kind of trailers come out through this year. So Microsoft is really kind of planting the seeds that look, this is the system that you want to be on, you know, and um, they knew that they, they had a a gap there, but I think they, they covered it pretty well. And look, backward compatibility, like you said, is, is, is a great feature. You know, it's not, it's not just playing old games. Um, The FPS boost that you get, I think is probably the biggest thing, that I um that I really like to see because in some cases the original games that played on the 360 or on the Xbox One didn't come anywhere close to running at 60. Um, some sometimes they were capped at 30, and now you know in some situations it's a transformative experience. Like a game like Prey by Bethesda, which didn't really run very well at all on on last gen hardware. It just you know, it ran like 25 frames per second. It was just a choppy mess of a game and it had significantly long loading times. Games like that, you know, you you play now and they they are, it's like playing a, a completely brand new game. So, you know, Microsoft are offering those experiences, those, those you know, those games, a chance to go back and revisit some of these games, I think is a smart one. And look, they like I said, you know, they they did enough, um, and they, they've kind of kept that that carrot dangling in front of you while they're slowly starting to bring out um, some of the games that they probably wanted to bring out earlier. Uh, and now we're starting to see the fruits of those labors, you know, starting to appear mm-hmm. and and onto you know twenty twenty two with with what's next and everything. Yeah, it definitely feels as though Microsoft has gained their footing and. They continue to show us a roadmap that is very fleshed out of what they want to bring to the platform in the future. As you mentioned, Perfect Dark from the initiative, Mm -hmm. we also know that they have the intent of making a brand new Fable game. And these are games from their back catalog that we haven't seen new entries to for many years. We haven't seen a Perfect Dark game since Perfect Dark Zero launched the Xbox 360. And Perfect Dark Zero is, it's not a great game. Right. I'm it's not, not sure if it's anyone not really game. loves it. It's not a good game at all. <laughs> I mean, it looks good. It was technically a a very 
nice looking game at the time, but as far as gameplay, it's it's not great. Yeah, it definitely didn't live up to the original. But when you look at the initiative, they've now taken on Crystal Dynamics to assist them with the development of the game, which appears to be the plan from the beginning because the head of the initiative has worked. If I believe they even founded Crystal Dynamics many years ago. Yep. And Crystal Dynamics, we know, is a very talented studio. Yes, the Avengers was a complete misfire, but that's not purely on Crystal Dynamics. That's also Square Enix, who was the publisher, who guided them in a direction for what the game had to be with you know, microtransactions and live service and all that. But we've seen what they've done with the Tomb Raider trilogy. Mm -hmm. Very, you know, a very good structure and core there and fables in the hands of a very talented studio at turn 10. And is it turn 10 or is it playground? Playground. Playground. Okay. Yeah. Turn 10 does Forza Motorsports mainline. And it's exciting to see these return to these franchises that really helped define what the Xbox was at a time because fable was that huge game for the original xbox you had peter molyneux out there all the time <laughs> over promising and overselling what the original fable was going to be i recall reading old interviews where he claimed you could plant an acorn and you come back 10 years later in the game when you'd have wrinkles on your face and a tree would grow mm-hmm. there was no such mechanic in the game like that to be found he also said the combat was similar to soul caliber that wasn't true either but it made you hyped for the game <laughs> Yes. And we see that they are beginning to understand what they have to do to make the Xbox that platform for gamers once again. And that's why they made huge waves earlier this year when they acquired ZeniMax and Bethesda in the for the area of seven billion dollars. Now, with that acquisition, Microsoft now holds the rights to iconic IPs, which include Doom, The Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein, Starfield, Mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of others like Quake. They have access to dozens of studios whose talent is immeasurable. And you have iconic names like Shinji Mikami. Yep. Yep. Todd that Howard. is yes. I mean, it's game changing, it's but so we fun. haven't seen fruits yeah. right. from this tree yet because the seed was just planted, or we can even say the tree was planted because they kind of they bought an already established tree and they rerooted it. Yeah. They re you know, they've put down new soil and they've given it new nutrients. And it's going to take a little while before before we really see the impacts of this acquisition. But I would imagine the first major one is going to be the end of 2022 when Bethesda's ambitious project Starfield releases exclusively on the Xbox series of platforms. Yeah, and I think that will be the time where people will say Microsoft made the right choice you know, with the acquisition. Because right now, you're right, Nate, it's still very early, you know. Um, And look, if you kind of reviewed this year, Bethesda didn't really deliver much from Microsoft this year, you know. Um, I think they're still basically trying to clear their slate of existing contracts, you know, with 
with um, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo um, and even Quake. I mean, I can talk about that. That was that was obviously something that uh, was was done signed before the merger had had gone through. So I mean, stuff like that. You know, um, I think we already knew that they were working on those 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 IPs. So yeah, it's going to be a little while before we see Bethesda um, start to bear fruit for for Microsoft. But yeah, I think Starfield will be. I mean, it's going to be a pretty big game um, next year. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. biggest releases of the year, undoubtedly. And I think, I think at that point, you know, people are going to start taking notice about the acquisition and say, yes, I think Microsoft made the right choice at that point. Yeah, because right now we really don't have anything to judge the acquisition off. As you mentioned, you know, Quake was a multi-platform game due to contracts. Mm-hmm. And it is fairly ironic that Microsoft up to this point via Bethesda has published more exclusive games on Sony than they have the Xbox. Yeah, yeah I mean, it really is. But it also, I think, <laughs> I think it's also a credit to... And look, not just Microsoft, you know, for disturbing the landscape, but I think Sony and and Bethesda, because I mean, I think that all of them work together, you know, um, to ensure that gamers ended up getting the games that they were told they were going to get. So, mm-hmm. um, I think I think hats off to all all the companies that were involved there, rather than just you know the the acquisition happened and then, um, you know, everything just stopped, right? Um, so I, I think you know. Honoring existing contracts is was was a good thing for everyone. Now, one thing that we did talk about last year when the proposition of Microsoft absorbing Bethesda was made was the idea that we would still see some titles potentially going multi-platform. But over the course of 2021, Phil Spencer has made it quite clear that... This may not be the case. And Starfield, I feel as though, was that first declaration that major releases of that tier, be it the next Elder Scrolls game, are going to be exclusive to the Xbox brand of systems. And it's certainly something that surprised me. Did it surprise you? Um, Yes and no. I mean, I think I think the I think at the end of the day, this is all about getting more people on Game Pass. So for me. Look, it's hard to really say because, I mean, Starfield was a game that was probably in development or it's been in development for for quite a long time. And initially it would have started its development before, you know, Microsoft was even talking to Bethesda, right? So, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that at some point, maybe earlier on, it was, um, you know, potentially a multi-platform game. But I think, look, I think... Phil Spencer is is a smart guy, and I think anything that makes sense to bring to Game Pass to really maximize um, the amount of people that that use that service, he, he's going to he's going to do. And I think you know another game that I initially thought maybe would be multiplat was the new Indiana Jones game that Machine Games is working on, but. The more I think about that, Nate, I think that's also going to end up probably as an exclusive on on Xbox as well. So, look, I think at the end of the day, if it makes sense to bring these games to Game Pass exclusively uh, and on your Xbox where, you know, obviously Game Pass exists, then 
I think that's what Phil's going to do, you know, most mm-hmm. of the time. There, there may be the occasional outlier um, where, you know, the game may become multi-plat, uh, but I think for the most part I would expect to see these games on on Game Pass. Yeah, I was kind of expecting the transition to take a little longer. I thought maybe Starfield still would have been that game that goes multi-platform due to any pre-existing contracts. Because I do remember right before the acquisition was actually announced that there were rumors that Sony was trying to secure Starfield as a PlayStation exclusive. And we saw them do that with Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. So it really wasn't that far out of the realm of reality that Sony would have loved, loved to secure a third title. And for that title to really be Microsoft exclusive is, I don't want to say surprising, but I think it may be a smart move for Microsoft at the end of the day. Now, like Indiana Jones, you bring up, that's a curious project because I do wonder if there's any stipulation that could be made from Disney to require it go multi-platform. It's possible. And and that that's definitely an unknown variable in this conversation. Um mm-hmm. That that you're right. They may they they may want it to be multi-platform. And when you have another party that's that's involved in a very powerful, influential party like Disney, then yeah, the it, it may it may change to a multi-platform game. But it, I think Phil and Microsoft are still probably trying to push for exclusivity. But yeah, you're right. Disney may have their own thoughts and ideas about that as well. We'll have to see how that one plays out, though. Yes. And shockingly, Microsoft really didn't make any other acquisitions this year, despite there being I thought it was I thought it was acquisition season. Right? I did I did see hashtags on Twitter. I apparently the hashtags were actually referencing the industry and not Microsoft oh. exclusively. I mean there were a lot of industry acquisitions, but yeah, we really but, expect we didn't you know, we didn't see anything else from Microsoft this year. We didn't, and they felt as though there were monthly rumors from various sources. I recall one as recently as I believe it was August saying Microsoft was on the verge of closing a big deal within a month, which clearly did not happen. But there were rumors around E3, pretty much every event that took place this calendar year. And you'd have studio names even come out where they were close to acquiring Avalanche. They were close to acquiring Crytek. And... We just recently had it where people believe they are acquiring Sega due to a Microsoft Azure deal. The thing about <laughs> mergers and acquisitions is I've I've gone through them myself um over over the years that I've worked. And here's the reality of mergers and acquisitions. Most people don't even know they happen until the day comes. Right. And the people that do know about it are usually high level executives. So it's very hard for me to imagine that high level executives are leaking this stuff to the press or to to media outlets or to anyone before the actual event occurs. And I think when the Bethesda thing happened, it kind of just really took people by surprise because it's like, oh my God, what? This is this is crazy. So when I hear about like there's rumors about Avalanche or there's rumors about WB or there's rumors about Take Two, I just take that stuff with a grain of salt because whoever is is kind of whoever the insider is that's leaking this information out clearly doesn't really have a 
they're you know they, they don't really have a good understanding about what's going on because like I said, most of the time it's going to be management executives that that are in the know with this stuff. And I got to say, if if they get caught leaking this stuff out, I mean this is this is damaging well beyond them getting fired. This is you know. Uh, you know, prone to lawsuits and stuff like that. So, you know, uh-huh. it could potentially affect stock prices. I mean, this is no joke, yes. this kind of stuff, right? So I, I take this stuff with a grain of salt most of the time. The only one that that I think people really kind of thought was going to happen was Bluepoint because Sony kind of messed up anyway. And, you know, they they already had that, <laughs> you know, welcome to the family Bluepoint like gif before they even that they did it they kind of messed messed that one up but otherwise look i don't really put too much stock into to acquisition rumors nate yeah i mean it felt as though every time an event was coming up we had a new rumor and a company attached and i'm sure microsoft is having discussions with these studios we know wb was looking for a buyer and i'm sure microsoft inquired yep now were they ever close to a deal? Probably not. I'm sure it was more of a case of Microsoft said, what are you looking to sell and what type of pricing range are you looking at? And they may have made an offer and made some terms because we know one of the complexities with the WB deal was that originally it sounded as though you weren't going to get any of the licensing to the IPs. And if you're going to buy WB's development teams, but you're not going to have access to Lego or Batman, what are you actually buying? Right. Nothing. You're buying some talented development studios, but you want to have, you want Batman, you want the Arkham series, you want all those Lego licensing, you want Mortal Kombat. That's what you want to be buying. You don't want to just buy NetherRealm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure ample discussions were made with numerous studios. And I feel as though one aspect with the Bethesda deal that people often overlook is that ZeniMax was looking for a buyer. They yes. had been looking for a buyer for over a year. And Microsoft saw that opportunity. Now, whenever I see like Sega come up or Take-Two come up, mm-hmm. they're not looking to be acquired. They are very big corporations. They are worth more than what ZeniMax was. And ZeniMax, again, was looking to be purchased. So they were shopping around with a price in mind. Take-Two just acquired, I believe. No, it was Take-Two was looking to acquire. Uh, what's the developer who did? Um... We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. You're not going to say Grove Street Games, are you? No, not Grove Street Games. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, Take-Two bought the um, Dirt developer, right? Codemasters? EA bought Codemasters. No, yes. 
but there was um, Take Two was close to a final deal, and right. EA came in at the eleventh hour yep. with a higher bid. That is correct. Yep. So if I'm Take Two, if I'm looking to purchase studios like Codemasters, I'm not looking to sell. I'm looking to grow. Mm-hmm. So like those type of rumors do, as you mentioned, seem baseless. And Sega, Microsoft is not going to be purchasing a Japanese company the size of Sega Sammy. Right. And they're, they're massive and they do a lot more than just make video games. Correct. And what we've seen from Microsoft instead is they've leveraged a great relationship with Sega. And we've also seen them do it with Square Enix. They're making Game Pass deals with these companies by getting Yakuza Like a Dragon on Game Pass. No, it wasn't on Game Pass Day 1, but they had it exclusive yes, to the Xbox. on the Xbox. Yep. But we have, it's now on Game Pass, along with every other installment of the Yakuza series. With Square Enix, we have had Final Fantasy 7, 8, mm-hmm. 10, and I believe 12 and 13 are all on Game Pass, plus Dragon Quest, Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler has not released on a Sony platform. It's only on Switch and Xbox if we're not counting PC. That's surprising. That means Microsoft may have put a little money to keep that exclusive to their brand because we've seen Sony do something similar with Final Fantasy VII. They continue to money hat that to keep it exclusive to the PlayStation. And if I'm Microsoft, instead of buying these type of studios, continue to make wise and well-placed Game Pass deals because that will lead subscribers not only to the service, but may also potentially move hardware. And if you look at Japanese sales, the Xbox series is selling quite well for an Xbox system. It's nearing 100,000 units in just about a year of introduction in the region. And if you look at the Xbox One, which sold abysmally, I believe it took it 50 months to sell 100,000 units. Microsoft is seeing some growth. And a lot of that can be attributed to the Xbox Series S, low yep. pricing yep, point absolutely. of entry, and Game Pass, allowing the consumer access to hundreds of games. And when you have titles like Dragon Quest, 11 on the service that makes it a very appealing device for the japanese audience and now with game pass also streaming to your phone via xcloud it's really catering to the japanese market in a way we have not seen previous xboxes do yeah i think for me the biggest surprise was probably the series s as well Uh, Mm -hmm. again it was a it was something that when when announced i was unsure about whether you know, we we needed the industry needed two SKUs, but um, they've kind of proven me wrong because the Series S is actually a very capable system. Yes, it's not it's not as powerful as the Series X, but I have both systems now, and I regularly do comparisons between the two. And I've got to be honest, Nate, it's it's hard for me sometimes to really notice anything anything really major. You know. Um, the Series S is is very very powerful, and for two ninety nine, um, I mean it represents easily the most powerful system that you're going to get at that price point, you know. And I think about the Nintendo Switch as a comparison, you know, and 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, look, people are going to say it's not a fair comparison. And yes, it's, it isn't because, you know, we're comparing a hybrid handheld system to a, a, a console. But I'm just talking about price, you know, versus performance, right? And mm-hmm. for $299, you get a lot of performance on the Series S that just eclipses what, what the Switch offers. So right. ultimately, it's it's priced extremely well for what it does. And um, I can see why it's it's doing so well in Japan. It, it's it's a smaller system. It's, it's kind of um, something that you can just stick on your shelf. You don't have to worry about it. And then with, with the added feature of Game Pass, and again, as mentioned, the backward compatibility, it really does make it a, a, great, a great system to buy and, and use. And I love mine. I mean, I use mine all the time. I think it's, it's a fantastic system, and I can definitely see why it's, it's been embraced by um, many of its customers. Yeah, I believe an analyst group recently put out some data that suggests the Series S is selling in certain regions at a rate of two to one compared to the Series X. And now part of that is due to supply constraints of the Series X. But in some of the emerging markets, the Series S is the favorable choice because, as you mentioned, it is more affordable. Mm -hmm. And it seems as though this was a really well thought out marketing strategy from Microsoft to introduce this lower end affordable device to their family of Xbox systems. And I mean, I believe Phil Spencer had said it last year that he anticipates that the Series S could be the best-selling SKU in the long term. Could easily be, yeah. This is definitely something that they had thought about and explored and market researched prior to the introduction of both these systems, and it seems to be paying off very well for them. Now, one area that Microsoft definitely struggled in 2021 with is exclusive software. And Microsoft really only put out about a handful of exclusive games over the course of the last 12 months. And as mentioned earlier, the first one was Microsoft's Flight Simulator. Now, this is a game that definitely is not to the taste of the majority of gamers out there. But I know you love getting in your plane and flying all over the world I do. as a relaxation event. I do. It, it's a great game. I, I played it on the PC when it first dropped there. And I think the first thing I thought about was this would be fantastic on the Xbox. And surely enough, Microsoft gave it to us. Look, it's <laughs> it's a niche game. Let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people don't even consider it a game. And I, I can see that, that point of view as well. But it, it is a great experience. And it is a good showcase of the potential of what the the next generation of Xbox can do. Um, there is a lot I really like about about the game, and um, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that it's on there. In fact, I still play it like not every day, but I still love to jump on it and and <laughs> just fly around. It's there's something very just tranquil about about the whole thing, mm-hmm. and um, I recommend it to anyone really. Yeah, and you bring up a good point there with the idea that Flight Simulator really did introduce the idea of what these platforms could deliver in terms of a next generation experience. When you partner in the cloud Azure aspect with the real time and dynamic weather and just the lack of load time as you're flying across, you know, countries, states, Mm -hmm. the ocean, whatever, you know, wherever you deem fit to explore and just enjoy it really showcased a gaming 
experience that you really could not find on the Xbox One. This could not be replicated on the Xbox One, not only from visual fidelity and performance wise, but just the immersive atmosphere that the game conveyed. Yeah. And that trend kind of continued as we got into the later half of 2021. And I would say Forza Horizon 5, the most recent release from Microsoft, further exemplifies what the next generation experience can be on these platforms. And I know Forza Horizon 5 is playable on the Xbox One, but I can't imagine playing it on anything but my Series X. Same. Well, I've heard good things, though, about the old VCR. But um, no, I mean, this game is meant to be played on Series S or Series X. It's just, just absolutely phenomenal. And look, it's, I think Microsoft really delivered this game at the right time. You know, um, yes, it's it's a fantastic game. I I absolutely love it. I, look, it's probably my favorite game of the uh, game of this year, Nate. I, I I'm I'm mm-hmm. really having a lot of fun playing it. Um, they've done so much to this game to really kind of make it more accessible to the average person. I I like the Forza Horizon series, but I think my biggest worry about the game. Before I started playing it was I felt like maybe they would they wouldn't really change it up as far as the game itself they would have some of those ridiculous mm-hmm. races where you know you're you're you know you're racing against an aeroplane or you know you're trying to beat um <laughs> you know um cross country through wheat fields and stuff just all that kind of weird and wacky <laughs> stuff but they've they've kept that stuff in but they've made it a lot more fun now and I really have appreciated what they've done to to make the game, um, that to open up the gameplay, and let's not forget the amazing, gorgeous landscape uh, of yes. this game. It, it just, I just, I mean, I've I've been playing the game for the last you know few weeks, and sometimes I just sit back and watch and think, man, this game just looks incredible. <laughs> you know, I just can't get over visually how amazing this game looks and and how smooth it plays and um. Look, I, I I said this on my uh, on my Xbox Twenty video, but I think it's the killer app for the Xbox Series X. You know, if you buy a Series S or an X, then get that Game Pass and play Forza because it it, it is truly um, an amazing experience. And look, they Microsoft hit it out of the park with this one. It's it's just phenomenal. Yes. The setting of Mexico, the lush biomes that you explore, the variety that the biomes deliver. You have Baja races in the desert. You can drive up the side of a volcano Mm -hmm. and you can collect water samples as a side quest. Then you can go to the coast where you can get hit with a tropical storm or you might get caught in a dust storm. The environment is so alive in Mexico and it makes each race feel thrilling but yep. you also have those side quests yeah where it might be drive into the center of a dust, dust storm to take a picture right or drive into the tropical storm it feels as though there's a lot of variety here and that's what makes the game such a joy to play i feel as though i'm always discovering mm-hmm. something new and you even have the missions where they will take you to temples yeah i love those yeah and like I, it's kind of funny because some of them will be like race through it and you're driving by these beautiful landscapes at 150 miles an hour, but I'll return and I'll just drive around and really take in the scenery. And they even tell you the temple you're looking at. So if you choose to, 
you can you know pick up your phone and maybe Google it and you can learn about the culture and all these settings in this just beautiful region. Mm-hmm. And I just love how they really delivered and conveyed the culture in this game. And it is, as you said, I think this is the killer app for the Xbox series line of platforms. This was the first true yeah. killer app for the series. And the game already has upwards of 9 million players in less than two weeks. That's crazy. Absolute crazy statistic, but it, it, it deserves all the success. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a wonderful game. And um, yeah, I mean, look, Microsoft is really coming good at the right time of the year, you know, um, between, yes. between Forza and um, we haven't talked about Psychonauts yet, but, but those two releases really, you know, uh, came at the right time where before that there, there wasn't really much. There was, there was a couple of interesting things, you know, Death Store and The Ascent. Um, Death Store, you know, is is a game that people really like. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good, but I wasn't really huge on Death Store, Nate. I don't know if you ever played it, but um, The Ascent was was a pretty decent game, and then we had the Medium as well. So those three games were uh-huh. were all were all okay. They were pretty good, but nothing really knocked it out of the park for me there. But um, along comes Psychonauts Two, which is a game of the year contender, uh, which I yes. really liked, and then uh-huh. Forza, which you know, we 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 will have our game of the year show at some point, but um, look, I think it deserved to be there for sure, and I think it's just a phenomenal oh, yeah. game. Absolutely deserves to be a game of the year nominee, and I understand the cutoff point could make that difficult for the jury to nominate it because they may have only had a limited amount of time with the game, and they weren't quite sure if they wanted to nominate for game of the year based on the amount of hours they had spent. But I would argue that Forza Horizon Five or the month of November 2021 is the true launch yeah. of the Series X and Series S. I would absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree with that, Nate. And I mean, it took a year, but we finally do have that big exclusive. And to really put frosting on the delectable cake, Microsoft comes in for the 20th anniversary and they decide to announce that you can play Halo Infinite multiplayer and one month early. You can play it right now. It launched on Monday, November 15th, free to play. And when you pair that with Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, this is the launch of the platform. This is what Microsoft wanted to deliver a year ago. Yes. They finally were able to do it. And this pairing really makes me appreciate quick resume because <laughs> as I'm I'm racing in Forza Horizon and maybe I get near the event that I really want to participate in. I say, hey, my friends are playing Halo Infinite. Yeah. Tap out, go into Halo, play a few matches, go back into Forza, seamless, simple, fast. Yeah. And I love it. It's me- really showing me what this feature can be. Uh look, I I love quick resume. Like I was um I was playing Forza and then I had to unplug the, the Series X because uh, I wanted to use it for a video. So I, I unplugged it out of the living room, brought it into uh, my office here and I kind of let it sit in my in my office here for a few days. Then I plugged it in, you know, did all the recording I needed to do for the video and then I plugged it back into my living room um, setup and I, went, I jumped into Forza 
and it quick resumed and it was right there waiting for me. It didn't like sign me out of my Xbox Live account and kick me back to the title screen or do any weird stuff like that. It was just there. You know, it was literally on the road waiting for me to just start driving the car again. And I, I was just like, this is fantastic. I love this feature. Like yes. it was one of those features where I was like, this is a cool marketing gimmick. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to use it. Because, um, you know, when the Series X and S released, the games that had quick resume weren't really that compelling anyway. Like I know you could use it on a game like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which, hey, I love Ori. It's a phenomenal game, but it's also mm-hmm. a smaller game. And basically just continuing from a checkpoint isn't really a big deal anyway. But right. a game like Forza that, you know, has a, I mean, you know, to get back to where you were on the map, there's a little bit of loading that's involved and there's, there's some wait time to get, you know, through the menus and stuff to get back onto the map and start racing again because you've got to pick your car and get back on the road. Um, <laughs> in this scenario, man, it, it was it was fantastic, and I, I really yes. do see the value of it. Yeah, and, I mean, it's plenty to you know, critique with the system as we have. And, it, I mean, it took a year for it to really feel as though it found its footing, and it has. And just in time for the holiday, which I'm sure was Microsoft's hope and plan, you know, the entire duration of the calendar year of 2021 but they're definitely on a good heading now yeah and it's going to be capped off with hopefully a quality campaign from halo infinite this you know launches on december 8th we should be hearing more about the campaign in the near future and hopefully it is promising we've had some previews come out and you know i believe just in the last couple of weeks and it it sounds good there's definitely a little bit of hesitation as how that open world is going to feel because still based on my expectation, based on the previews and all the information that's out there, it feels as though the campaign may be more enjoyable in co-op. And we know we have mm-hmm. at least a six month wait until we're going to have that co-op campaign made available to us. But I am hopeful that it is a quality single player experience. We will obviously find that out in the next couple of weeks. But before I go into the next topic, what would you grade the Xbox Series X and S's first year overall? So I gave PlayStation a B. And I'm going to give Xbox a B as well. And I'm not I'm not fencing, okay. but I think I think <laughs> it's about right, you know, for me. Like it's almost like the the reverse of of, of PlayStation because PlayStation's kind of first half of this year was pretty good. You know, you had Returnal, you had Ratchet, um, mm-hmm. you had Miles Morales, you had Demon Souls. You know, it it wasn't a, a, a terrific PlayStation launch, but it was definitely stronger than Xbox. Um, Xbox had Game Pass and Backward Compat, as mentioned, to kind of get you through the first, you know, first quarter of, of, of this year. And um, but then they started to drop games, um, you know, the Medium, Death Store, The Ascent uh, started to show up and, mm-hmm. and it got some got some traction. And then, you know, Psychonauts 2 was really a big game for them. Flight Simulator, even though it was a, a niche game, let's be honest, was was a very technically impressive game. People love it. And of course, you know, the the kind of crescendo of the one, two, Forza, Horizon 5, Halo multiplayer, and hopefully a good Halo campaign really <laughs> made Microsoft come good at the end. So I think a B is about right. Um, 
Yeah. What, what, do, what, do, what do you think for that? Ooh. You had a B minus for Sony last time, I thought. Yeah, I gave Sony a B minus. So I think with Microsoft, I have to come in at a C plus. Ooh, fair enough. It's, it's good yep. with room for improvement. And what's preventing me from giving it even a, a B minus is that those first, you know, 10 months, everything that preceded Forza Horizon 5 yeah. was satisfactory. As we mentioned, Game Pass was definitely a big contributor in that. And I got to revisit old games that maybe I had played on my PlayStation 3 or even games I just have not played. And it gave me access to them. Game Pass definitely introduced me to a lot of third party or even indie games I may not have checked out, like the Artful Escape. Yes. It's up there for, I believe it's Impact Game of the Year. It is quite a moving experience. This is a game that I definitely would not have bought because it would have flown under my radar, but it was on Game Pass. It introduced me to it. I thoroughly enjoyed playing it. And outside of Game Pass and the backwards compatibility, that wait for the that next-gen exclusive for the Series X was just lengthy. Mm-hmm. Flight Simulator yeah. is you know truly an engrossing experience, but as the name suggests, it's a simulation. Right. It is not a game in the traditional sense, which is fine. So I don't want to rate it a, you know, in the B range because it ended so high. Because that feels as though it could potentially be because it's ending on a high note. Yeah. That it is fogging my memory of what the prior months were. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, we we have that kind of what's it, the bias. You know the what, what are they oh, yeah, recency bias. Recency bias. Yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I mean, I think that does come into it um, as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I can definitely get your point of view there. Well, like, as mentioned, the Xbox is ending on an incredible high note. I mean, with Forza Horizon 5, the Halo Infinite multiplayer, that is a ton of fun. It is incredibly well polished. And maybe had the campaign come out in November, I would have altered my score differently. but. I feel as though Microsoft is on a good trajectory now moving into 2022 and, you know, we have the game awards coming up. I'm sure Microsoft will be there and they will showcase maybe some new game announcements, updates on titles like Hellblade, maybe Avowed and give us an updated look at the roadmap for 2022 and beyond. But they definitely ended 2021 strong. I just wish we had a little more variety in terms of software and big releases scattered throughout the calendar year. but. I mean, Game Pass was definitely that saving grace, making deals to get MLB The Show Game Pass Day 1, getting Outriders and titles of that caliber on the service was no small feat. And they do deserve credit for making those type of deals happen. I just wish they had one or two major Mm -hmm. Game Pass exclusives over the course of the year, not from Microsoft published houses, from third parties that they were able to, you know, money had or secure for six months beyond something like the medium, something bigger, mm-hmm. something that was more exciting for the industry. That's why I come in at a C plus, still a strong year. Overall, definitely a rough start, but ending strong. And if you're picking up an Xbox this holiday, there's definitely a lot to love and a lot to look through on that Game Pass catalog. And of course, as we mentioned, you have Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite. You're definitely having a good time gaming this year if you pick up an Xbox on Black Friday or you get one for a holiday gift. Now, the topic that we're going to end with is 
it was part of the Xbox 20th anniversary where they gave a new list of the Xbox backwards compatibility. They included 70 plus new additions to the program. And among these were titles like Max Payne 1, 2, and Max Payne 3, Gun Valkyrie from Sega, and 50 Cent, which is, this is actually a good game. That's a great game. It has no business being as good as it is. <laughs> so I love I love uh, the 50 Cent game, Blood in the Sand. Is it Blood in the yes. Sand? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that game has no right being as good as it is. But yes, 76 new additions to backwards compatibility. And many of them do have the frame rate boost. Among them were the Gears of War games, the Fear Trilogy. And the frame rate boost, you know, these some of these games are now 120 frames a second. Max Payne 3, because it was uncapped, is now close to 60 frames a second. It's not consistent, but it's still a much bigger improvement over the original release. And ironically, the Max Payne trilogy on backwards compatibility is a higher quality release than Grand Theft Auto, the definitive trilogy release <laughs> from Grove Street Games. <laughs> <laughs> the power of backwards <laughs> compatibility emulation. But I would say the big news actually came after. And it's when Microsoft put out a statement thanking the community for all the feedback and passion and recommendations for backwards compatibility software. But Microsoft announced that the backwards compatibility team has reached their limits of ability to bring games to the catalog from the past due to licensing, legal, and technical restraints. So yep. it sounds as though these 70 plus games are the final additions to backwards compatibility. Now, Microsoft has used this language before that this was the final update and we got another update later, but they never put in that final stipulation that it it's ending due to licensing, legal, and technical constraints. It almost seemed like they were projecting a little bit, you know, that they there was some <laughs> frustration there that they they want to continue this, but it's something that they that they've you know they've they've looked at, they've explored, they've they've thrown some money at it, and it hasn't really gone in their favor, which I think is uh -huh. is interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, one title that I've seen a lot of people tweet about is Jet Set Radio Future. This came out on the original Xbox, and I've heard about this game numerous times about why it has not come to Xbox backwards compatibility, and the simple reasoning is licensing. The music associated to the game would require Sega to renegotiate a licensing deal with the artist and the cost to make that happen is simply too high to justify bringing the title to backwards compatibility. This is something Microsoft has repeatedly inquired about and they wanted to make reality. And the fact that they couldn't is not only upsetting for fans, but this is something that Microsoft is also disappointed with. This was a game that they set as a goal yep. to bring to the service. And there's definitely some omissions that I would say caught me by surprise. and. Those titles include Wolfenstein from the original Xbox and Quake 4 from the Xbox 360. And the reason I'm surprised by this is that Microsoft owns Bethesda now. 
Yeah, I was surprised about about those as well. I mean, you kind of expected anything that was done by Bethesda, you know, even even the OG Xbox Doom Three, you know, um, stuff like that, yes. right? That 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 was obviously done. You would expect those games to have would have come over, but I also wonder if you know they're saving those in their back pocket for um for something else, you know, and. I want to be very clear to people. I don't know anything about what's happening with Quake beyond, um, you know, my involvement in the Quake remaster. But I do wonder if, if you know, uh, there is more to come from from Quake at, at some point. But look, I think Wolfenstein was was a surprise as well. Um, I don't know, man. It, things just seem so much harder these days than than they used to be. Because I mean, if you look at the the Xbox 360, a lot of people forget, but you could literally play half the original Xbox back catalog on the 360, including Jet Set Radio, Future, and things just seem so much easier back then. Now, sure, you know, licenses were still. Um, you know, valid at the time and, and all that stuff. There was no renegotiation that needed to happen and everything. But mm-hmm. everything was just so much more streamlined. He, here's an emulator. Uh, here's a way to play 500 of your, of your old games on the hardware. And we're, we're at the point now where it's like everything is a negotiation. Everything ha- re- requires relicensing. There's multiple parties that that are at the table and all of them want a piece of it. You know, Jet Set Radio Future, I mean, technically there's zero reason why that game could not live on the backward compatibility list for the Xbox. But unfortunately, Nate, like you mentioned, it's all about the music licenses. And there is, I think, I don't know the exact number, but there is a lot of different composers on the Jet Set Radio Future soundtrack. And it basically means getting everyone on board with it, which I couldn't even begin to imagine how much money that would be. It could be into uh-huh. the millions of dollars. I, I don't know what that looks like, but and it, all it takes is is one of them to say no. Um, and look, a lot of people would say, "Well, can't you just replace the soundtrack?" Well, if you replace the soundtrack, is it emulation at that point, or are you porting the game? Right? I mean, that's a different conversation when when you start uh-huh. talking about replacing parts of the game with something else it's not emulation anymore so that means that you need to get access to the the original code base and then start making modifications to it so that's that's a different thing altogether so look i look i I was disappointed when i saw that but i also felt like it was i kind of appreciate the transparency as well that look microsoft said look we have kind of exhausted our our um, resources, you know, trying to get licensing for these games. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, this is the last one. But hopefully, like you said, Nate, this is not the, you know, we're not done done with this stuff. Maybe it's something that, um, you know, they they, they want to continue with, but right now is is just not going to work for them, you know. Yeah, I'm hopeful that they still continue to have ongoing negotiations where they could potentially overcome some of these licensing deals because there's even games from microsoft's own back catalog like the mech assault yep. games yep project gotham mm-hmm. that are not part of the backwards compatibility list and i have fond memories with both of those games and i'm not even asking for like online play from mech assault 2 i just want to be able to play mech assault again on a modern platform and project gotham project gotham one and two are two of the 
best racing games ever to come to market. You had the Kudos system, which was the game's trick system. Yeah, I, I love those games. And I was a big yeah. fan of the Rally Sport Challenge games as well that DICE did. Mm-hmm. Um, for similar reasons, I think those games were technically fantastic and they were great racing games as well. And look, I mean, I, I just, it, it does sadden me that, you know, these emissions ha- had to have occurred um, at the end of the day. It, it, it really is unfortunate, but hopefully, you know, there, there is light and, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see this in some fashion going forward. What is curious is that Xbox's Phil Spencer actually spoke on the idea of emulation as a preservation solution and gave a very candid answer that I think surprised many. In an interview with Axios, Spencer says, my hope, and I think I have to present it in a way as of now, is as an industry, we'd work on legal emulation that allowed modern hardware to run any, within reason, older, executable, allowing someone to play any game. And he continued to say, I think in the end, if we said, hey, anyone should be able to buy any game or own any game and continue to play, that seems like a great North Star for us as an industry. And he's right. Yep. 100% this is, right. This is how the music, as in normal music, not video game music, mm-hmm. manages to operate. You can still find and listen to old music without having to go through all these licensing issues that video games face. And this is why video games will forever face the issue of being considered an art form because preservation to enjoy a modern take on an old game has so many fences before it. And it is impossible to hop over all of them because if it were easy, we would have Jet Set Radio Future on our Xbox Series X right now. We'd be able to play that game. And the reason that we can't, as we discussed, due to licensing issues where Microsoft or Sega would have to negotiate deals with the artist and pay out potentially hundreds, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, just so we could play the game again. I mean, it's a damn shame because it's just limiting the exposure and the enjoyment one could have. Like, that is a game... I played on the original Xbox. I no longer own a physical copy of the game. So my only option is to go out there and buy a used copy secondhand market for a markup price that is, you know, probably astronomical because someone wants to sell the game for $150 and they feel as though they can. Whereas Phil Spencer is saying here, why shouldn't you be able to play it through legal emulation on your Series X right now? Agree. I mean... Look, I think, again, it just goes on from the messaging around the last batch of back and pat games. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, Phil is is someone that I, I know for a fact that he's very passionate about preservation and backward compatibility and emulation. I know this um, quite well. So I think he's definitely on the right track here. Um, but it's it's something that the industry has to work together to to um, solve. You know, this is not something that Microsoft can themselves can just throw money at and and do. This is something that that requires um, some big players at, at on the table where they all basically come to an agreement on, hey, look, we want to we want to bring our games back 
for everyone to enjoy. So we want to break down those barriers of, of licensing issues and, and music and royalties and that. Um, so, you know, from, from I guess what he's getting at is if there is a way where um, Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and Disney um, and these big companies can all um, agree on 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 terms, and when I say agree on terms, I mean basically you know throw money around and get get paid um, certain amount of money every single year for kind of the the rights to use any of their back catalog, you know, um, without any barriers. I think that's what he's kind of looking for. And um, look, it's I think he said you know the word hope. Um, this is definitely something that is going to take a long time to mount if, if if it even ever happens. But I do really appreciate his transparency. And I love the fact that he's talking about this and he's basically extending the conversation to others to say, look, we're ready. We're Microsoft and we're ready to talk. We, we want to do this. So whatever whatever we need to do, let, let's start talking and, and seeing where this goes. So I, I really think it's 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 a great message. Yeah, it's definitely a great message, and hopefully it's something that the industry does listen to and we're able to make progress on this front mm-hmm. because this benefits not just Microsoft, it benefits Nintendo, Sony, and the industry as a whole. Yes, maybe you know a third-party publisher won't be able to make extra money by selling us that old ROM on a digital store for you know $15, Yeah, but this is about preservation. It's about having access to history. This is about being able to play these old games without this unnecessary step. And hopefully they are able to work together and come up with a feasible solution that, you know, they can all agree to. But I mean, at the moment, Phil Spencer is definitely looking at an ambitious concept here. This is a progressive idea. Is it pie in the sky? Yes, absolutely. But, but so was Game to, Pass, right? I mean, no one yes. no one believed in Game Pass. You know, mm-hmm. people just said this is ridiculous. So, you know, <laughs> if we can if we can somehow get off the ground a, a a Game Pass for emulation type system, that would be terrific. And I don't think Phil's just talking about Xbox. I mean, I think Phil is talking about, like I said, an industry industry thing. So. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he, he's speaking in broader terms, and I think that's the way you have to, you know, in this in this situation. Yes, yes you have to dream big, yeah. and you know, shoot for the stars. And you know, Phil Spencer's comments definitely give me hope for the future. Absolutely, and look, I, I'm you know, Nate, I'm a big advocate for emulation and preservation. You know, I've always yes. had, I've always had concerns about this stuff. You know, um, when Microsoft did announce that this was the last backward compatible. Um, update, then yeah, I thought about Jet Set Radio Future. I mean, that game is stuck in limbo now. It's stuck on the original Xbox. And like you said, um, you either pay reseller price to get a copy of it um, or you download an illegal ROM and an emulator to play the game. And that's the reality of that situation. You you won't see that on on, on modern Xbox hardware. And, um, you know, I, then I compare that to, you know, movies. I mean, you can still play any, you know, DVD movie DVD on on any player, um, yes. and watch that movie. That there's no, there's mm-hmm. no, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. So I think, why why shouldn't video games be in the same same way? Why can't you play an old game on a new system? And 
right. I think, you know, you should be able to. And uh, look, I do applaud Phil for uh, his his transparency, his words, and, you know, hopefully it's not just PR speak. I, and I don't believe it is, and hopefully we'll see something come out of this. Hopefully we'll see more reports of other industry titans come forward and say, yes, we, we want to help. What can we do? And um, maybe we'll see something come out of this. But it it is definitely a long road. Well, that you know yes. that will that this will have to you know occur on yeah and that, i mean you bring up a good point with the movie comparison like even if i were to go out there right now and i found a copy of jet set radio future you can't play i need it. an original yeah. xbox you can't play it or an xbox 360 even play it right and finding a good working xbox 360 can prove challenging finding a good operating original xbox with all the cables and everything could prove challenging and when you think about it, like now you have to find a controller. Yep. That's not always simple. There's so many obstacles in the way to play. And these are games that only came out 20 years ago. Right. There is no need for that. That The disc-based systems should have had a solution for this in mind years ago. And hopefully we do see something, as you were mentioning just a few minutes ago. Hopefully all the titans of the industry come together and we're able to find a movie or a CD type of solution where it's you have that disc, you can play it on anything moving forward, and we're going to offer it on a digital store or however necessary. Something has to change here because we should be able to access old software and be able to play them on modern devices, and that should be for eternal eternity. Absolutely. Well said. And... What else is well said is you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code NATHEHATE. That's one word, NATHEHATE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code NATHEHATE. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. And remember, folks, these products are no joke. And with that, we can move into some of the Streamlabs questions for this week. And our first Streamlabs question is a $25 donation from CG Doctor, who writes, Hi, love both your guys' content. Fellow Mario Sunshine hate embracer here. <laughs> what drives you crazy about the game? If you are willing, I'd love to include your reply to this in my comical video I'm making about the game as a funny yet fitting cameo. One word. Sure. One word. Flood. <laughs> yes. Well, that's not technically flood. that's technically not one word, but you know what I'm saying. Flood. Yeah, flood is definitely one of the reasons. The camera, the controls, the there's just a lot about that game I do not like. Flood is definitely one of them. I hate flood. But the controls and the camera are just abysmal. They fight against you the entire game. The best part of the game is where you are doing the platforming flood free. Those segments are Mario platforming at their peak. Everything else about Mario Sunshine is just darkness. Mm -hmm. But yes, you can use this as a cameo in your comical video. <laughs> then had a $2 donation from Mr. L. who writes, recently we have heard that Nintendo is open to more outside acquisitions. Who do you see them potentially buying up? I could see someone close like Game Freak thus giving them total control over Pokemon or a reliable Western studio like WayForward. What do you think, Nate? 
I really cannot see Nintendo acquiring anyone in the near future that makes any meaningful impact. I know Nintendo did express that interest in their financial reports, but even they kind of made stipulation of this isn't a focus of ours. If a studio like a next level games who was looking to sell maybe presents the offer to Nintendo, we may see an acquisition be placed, but I don't see Nintendo actively hunting and searching as for a studio who would fit, you know, their nature i think game freak wants to remain independent i don't see way forward looking to be bought anytime soon um maybe a studio like tauntless they've done some of the hd remakes for nintendo over the years they did twilight princess hd maybe a studio like that who has already worked closely with nintendo in some capacity but I don't really see anyone being purchased by Nintendo, at least not in the foreseeable future. I agree. I don't get any vibes that they're interested in in acquiring anyone at this time. I think they're pretty happy with with the current state of things. Next Level Games obviously was was an opportunity that kind of fell in their lap and and they jumped on. Which you know, in some ways, they I don't say I don't I don't want to say their hand was forced because um, Nintendo does whatever they want. Um, they move when they need to move, but um, I don't necessarily expect any any other ones to come out um, at least next year. Yeah, I'd be surprised. We then had a $3 donation from Alan. He writes, 2022 is a huge year for Nintendo from a first-party games perspective. Looking back at the last four years, outside of 2017, the game lineup has been pretty underwhelming as far as new games are concerned. Is this time span something to expect going forward? Uh, The time span actually suits what you typically see from game development. It's been four years since 2017, which is when the teams behind Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Splatoon, uh, Mario Kart team who did ARMS, they finished up their prior projects. So they've been actively working on new projects for the last four to five years. So 2022, even the first half of 2023 is right on schedule with traditional development time. So Yeah. yeah, this is something that you will typically see from any developer, not just Nintendo, but Microsoft, third parties, Sony, everyone. You typically work on a new game for four to five years. Yep. Then had a dollar donation from Liam Werner, who writes, Why do you think Amiibo has lasted so long, but Skylanders, Lego Dimensions, and Disney Infinity bit the dust? I get people are excited for Nintendo figures, but merch is like half of, half of Disney's business. So you would think at least Infinity would last. I don't really Uh, know enough about these things to really give a great (laughs) answer. Um, Obviously, Skylanders is the audience is for a younger audience. Amiibo is kind of all over the place, right? There are collectors, there are Nintendo fans, there are fans of the games. Uh Um, I think people collect Amiibo for different reasons. Some of them actually want to use them in the games, like that uh, Loftwing one for um, Skyward Sword HD obviously was was something that, you know, would would actually help you in the game. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people people love Nintendo characters and, and they have their favorites, and I think people kind of embrace Amiibo for different reasons. Yeah, I'd also be curious how well Amiibo are actually selling these days compared to when they were introduced. True. Nintendo kind of has to commit to the uh, Smash Brothers line at this point. They have to finish it so they can't just be like, oh, yeah, we're not making a 
a Sora Amiibo because you're not buying the other ones. They kind of committed to that, so they have to. But if you really look at the flow of Amiibo over the last couple of years, it's definitely been more limited. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, like the Loftwing Amiibo, we had the Metroid Dread Amiibos, which if you scan in the games, you get a health item and the super missiles. But they're definitely not a consistent release. It's mostly just a smash line and maybe one or two to like a new Zelda or a new Mario release. So they definitely scaled them back considerably. Yeah. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G who writes back when days gone released in 2019, how much did Sony expect from the game? Obviously in retrospect, they were unhappy with its performance, but how much did it fail to meet their expectations? I mean, Days Gone was definitely viewed as a AAA experience. So this is probably a game internally Sony was looking for north of five to potentially eight million sales with a good Metacritic score on top of that. Yeah. We then had a $3 donation from Afro Soul Reaper. Right. Thank you both for all you do. Baked pumpkin seeds with crushed red pepper and garlic for the win. That's right. I don't know why everyone on the Spawncast hates pumpkin seeds. We then had a $5 donation from Stephen N. Parker. (laughs) What do you guys think about The Verge's new background policy? Like they're like no more a source familiar with the situation, but will but will be clearer with company, spokesperson, etc. Should other gaming outlets like Bloomberg, Kotaku, Eurogamer follow the same policy? I actually just saw this in practice just this week. I yeah. was curious as to what it meant. I, I was going to ask you, Nate, because, I mean, you're more into this stuff than me as far as, um, you know, the the media side. So what are your thoughts and, and everything? Like, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on this because, you know, I – this is not really my area, so. Um, but I was curious to hear what you thought. I believe they actually had a report out this week where they still cited just as a source. It depends on the context of the article and what they are reporting. But I think it it sounds as though maybe in prior reporting, when they were talking to a spokesperson, maybe they did not frame it that way when they were trying to get clarification to a situation, in which case it should have been made clear that it is a spokesperson just they're relaying official information to them maybe just outside of a press release Mm -hmm. but i mean if that's the case yeah that's something that all outlets should embrace but if you do have traditional sources giving you information ahead of time for a report then it should remain as you know individuals with knowledge of this matter etc etc yeah so it really depends on the context then had a dollar donation from auric 305 Right. What is your preference on performance versus quality mode for Forza Horizon 5? The game looks incredible, like playing an episode of Planet Earth. Which of these modes do you think best showcases the game on the Series X and a 4K OLED TV? I haven't taken mine off performance mode. I've heard great things about, um, you know, having uh, the visual fidelity um, and dropping the game down to 30 to get that really realistic game but look i'm always going to take 60 fps no matter what um and i i think the game still looks incredible in performance mode so that's what i'm doing 
Yeah, I, would def- I mean, otherwise, I would say it's just up to your personal preference. If you can play the game and enjoy it at 30 frames a second, do quality mode and enjoy all the visual fidelity the game has to offer. Yeah. Then had a $2.38 donation from Matanume, who writes, wasn't Hey Pikmin, Pikmin 4? No, it wasn't. But I can see why you might think it was. Matanume then followed up with a $3.97 donation and writes, rumors of rare replay for Nintendo Switch came around years ago. What was the idea of this? I imagine we are getting some rare N64 ROMs instead. N64 Perfect Dark? Diddy Kong Racing? The rumors of Rare Replay for the Nintendo Switch from a few years ago definitely had foundation. This was something that was being discussed and even actively developed to some capacity. Now, that could have been pivoted to N64 NSO with Rare and Microsoft cooperation, as we have seen with Mm Banjo-Kazooie. I mean, Perfect Dark, Diddy Kong Racing, those are definitely candidates. We will see more Rare games come to the service. In the future, how long that could take is, you know, to be determined at this point. But they did have negotiations to bring more games to the service from Rare. And hopefully Diddy Kong Racing is one of them because Diddy Kong Racing Online with good netcode would be fun. Then had a dollar and 34 cent donation from Retro Librium. writes, hey, Nate and MVG, I don't intend to seem disrespectful, but I'd like to hear some insight on your reason behind leaking Halo multiplayer news. Why announce the news when it would only be two to three days to wait? I know some people feel the surprise was ruined by this. I put the news out on Friday because when I was viewing social media, you had other accounts that were digging into the servers who were already kind of implying it and teasing it without outright just saying the date. And I said, you know what? This is going to leak this weekend. Someone's going to say it. Why don't I just do it now? And that's that's what I did. I just put it out there. And some may feel as though the surprise was ruined. But what I would ask is, and MVG, you can answer this if you want. Mm. If the rumor did not become public, would you have watched the 20th anniversary presentation with any anticipation of anything happening i feel as though the rumors actually gave people some a reason to watch the show because they were looking forward to the announcement taking place because prior to the rumor microsoft really didn't hype or even provide much reason to watch the 20th anniversary show right yeah i mean that's a good point Nate. i mean i was gonna say yes but because and only because there was rumors of <laughs> backward compatible games coming right so there was leaks about that so yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, like if there is anticipation that something that may come, then yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right. I think if it was just a 20th anniversary celebration and they they basically shut down anything, then I probably may have given it a miss, to be honest. I mean, Microsoft doesn't always put on the best shows. So, um, but it, look, <laughs> I think the other thing we have to let, um, I don't remember the, the person's name that, that, that made this, the uh, the Streamlabs question, but you weren't the one that broke the story. This was already leaking online, right? I mean, I, I had seen um, some tweets about this already, and I think um, I think you came in and just basically independently verified this information. So uh-huh. I don't I don't even really put stock in in that you were the one that that broke the story. You know. Um, 
Like I think I think the story was breaking no matter what was happening. It was going to break, right? So I think yes. you you kind of just you know verified what you had heard, which which is totally fine. I mean, I, I think one way or the other, there was no way that this was going to be a surprise for uh, for Monday. You know, their twentieth anniversary celebration. Correct. I mean, that's the thing. I saw the tweets implying all of it, and it's just nobody really wanted to say, "Hey, this is coming Monday." And I was basically basically watching a dam with water bursting through it already. And I said, "You know what? I'm going to be the wrecking ball. I'm just going to take the wall down. Let just let the water flow. Let me independently. I can independently confirm the information. I'm going to say the date. Let people have anticipation of it." And I mean, I knew friends who were looking to pre-order Battlefield last week because they're like, well, I have a month before Halo comes out. I was kind of like, you know what? I can put this information out there. I can save you $70. Kind of helping you there. But it's definitely, it's never with the intent to ruin an announcement. It's to build some excitement for the event coming. Yeah. And we then had a $3 donation from Nathan Borman who donated $3 and writes, I've not enjoyed gaming as much as I have with Game Pass for the last year. I'm playing two to three games a month, with most being new releases like Quake Remastered. Am I hurting devs by only playing through Game Pass? I love gaming and respect devs and what they do. You're not hurting devs by playing through Game Pass, I I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, typically what Microsoft does is they make a deal with the publisher or developer depending on how the game is released you know if it's self-published or not and they pay them a considerable sum of money to put the game on the service now what type of deal the publisher has with the developer is a different matter but both parties are being compensated in some way and usually compensated quite well and that was the last Streamlabs question for this week, and this episode was once again dedicated to Shamsa, who generously donated a hundred dollars. And if you would like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question, we will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate one hundred dollars or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And once again, this episode is dedicated to Shamsa. And that will conclude this week's episode of Nate the Hate. I'd like to thank my co-host, MVG, for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure having you. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. And let us know your thoughts on Xbox's Series X and S's first year in the comment section below, as well as Microsoft's new philosophy on backwards compatibility and backwards compatibility ending on the Xbox Series line of platforms in the comment section. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.